The wellness revolution starts now. Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Hotze, and welcome to the Dr. Hotze Wellness Revolution. We have a tremendous guest on today. He's a legend in his own time, Dr. Terry Hertog out of Belgium. He's the president of the World Society of Hormone Specialists. He's also the president of the World Society of Anti-Aging Medicine. He is a well-known worldwide uh, endocrinologist, or in common lay terms, hormone expert. And I've known of and known personally Dr. Hertog for at least the last 25 years and been with him at numerous conferences. He's a wonderful lecturer, and so many physicians look up to him for his outstanding uh, ability to present material in, in a way that enables them to incorporate it in their practice. Like me, he practices natural approaches to health using natural bioidentical hormones as opposed to chemical counterfeits or drugs to mask symptoms. He wrote a tome called Medical, the Hormone Handbook, which physicians in our field that do integrative or functional or natural medicine use as a textbook. He's written several other books, including a book that, that uh, um, I would highly recommend you getting. It's, it's the one about a lifespan and anti-aging medicine. Anyway, Doctor, I wanted to give you that introduction to Dr. Hurtog because I'm so excited to have him on our program to talk to us and visit with us about this very interesting topic of hypothyroidism or low thyroid. And let me just mention to you, before I bring him in, remember the thyroid gland is in the neck. It produces thyroid hormones, which are secreted in the blood. It governs your body's metabolism, your metabolic rate, your energy production. So with that introduction, I want to give you Dr. Hertog. Terry, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Stephen. Very happy. Thank you for um, being the, heart, the warm welcome. And I'm really happy. Maybe um, what might interest your audience about the thyroid is that um, in 1892, my great-grandfather was probably the second or third physician in the world actually to work on hypothyroidism, a low thyroid function, and to provide thyroid medication or supplementation with uh, uh, natural products at that time. And he was world famous and he was probably the one who um, brought the information in the United States because you find pictures of his patients before and after thyroid treatment in old textbooks, American textbooks. He gave conferences in the United States in the early 19th. And so um, I, I have a link with the United States since then. <laughs> Well, what's, what's very interesting, why don't you give a little of the history of the uh, London Society meeting back in the uh, mid-1800s? I can't remember if it was 1840, 1860 when they met and finally came up to the... 1918. Uh, uh, well, are you talking at the conference of my great-grandfather or the conference that my father... No, or, or no this is the one, the original conference, the London Society of Physicians came up with the diagnosis of myxedema. They had received, they had people all over the country that had had problems which were consistent with hypothyroidism. Back then, physicians had no idea what, had no, they really had no effective blood work at all. Nobody knew what was going on. Everything was a clinical diagnosis. 
And when they came together to study the disorder that had been seen across the country, they came up with the con- condition they called myxedema. And myxedema, of course, is the fluid that is built up in the skin that makes people puffy when they get hypothyroidism. It's a gelatinous type tissue. And that's when they came to the conclusion that there was a disorder and they named it myxedema, which ultimately became known as hypothyroidism. And uh, one of the physicians there began to inject uh, thyroid material from from lambs uh, and cattle into his patients and had significant improvement. That was done around 1880 or 1890. So your great-great-grandfather would have been involved in all this at that time. And well, it was, I think, in 1891 or 92. I think the physician was called Murray. Yeah, Dr. Murray. My, my uh, grandfather, great-grandfather went over to see Murray to learn about uh, uh, with him. And actually, the families became great friends. And during two or three generations, they had exchanges of their children going over, some to learn French, the others to learn English. Um, and, and so there was really um, a sort of family tie with uh, Dr. Murray. I, I didn't have this tie. It was probably the, the fourth generation, a bit too late. But um, basically, um, I, I remember my father talking a lot about these uh, relationships. So, so we really learned it. And my um, great-grandfather was so excited. He wrote a lot of books with a lot of pictures you can find on the Internet now by uh, pictures of patients before and after. And he showed two physicians with these pictures how amazing the effects were of thyroid therapy. So that was really a, a, a really great thing, I think. Um, 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 and actually, um, this sort of um, fascination for the thyroid that went from one generation to the other. But you will probably see that the problem you might have with other physicians was already in that time, my great-grandfather, uh, he used to um, say to my grandfather when he was a kid, why do other physicians do not see that? It's so evident. It's so worked. I'm, I'm going to, to uh, cut here my uh, outlook. And, and so the, uh, he, he was amazed that the physicians could not recognize hypothyroidism. You could see it on the face. And actually, he was um, a very religious person. So he went to... Um, the, well, we are, we are Catholic, so he went to the mass uh, every uh, Sunday and he picked out people, people and said, hey, you have hypothyroidism, you need treatment. And, and, and he had really a, a great success. I don't think we, we can do that now because there are <laughs> privacy reasons, but basically it was really amazing. Well, and, this, is, um, this, is, this is really a key point you make. It was physicians first back in England, and it had been recognized in other parts of the world, but the English were the first to really come up and classify this disorder, which was characterized. Why don't you you characterize what the symptoms of hypothyroidism, both the clinical symptoms and the physical findings that you see in, in individuals that have low thyroid hormone within their cells. They may have thyroid in their blood, but they don't have adequate amounts of active thyroid in their cells. What are the common features that you see both clinically, symptom-wise, and on physical findings? Well, first of all, it's easy to see it on people. Uh, So basically, if a patient comes in, um, if he has a clearly uh, low thyroid, he will have a swollen face, he will have puffy eyelids, uh, he will have a dry skin, 
very dry skin and it has a special name called keratosis. That means that the skin is irregular with little pits on the skin, especially on here on the um, upper arm and on the back and on the upper legs. And uh, you also have fissures like splits in the heels. You have, um, um, when there's hypothyroidism, uh, the patients cannot convert the provitamin A, which is beta carotene, which has a yellowish color into uh, vitamin A. And so they get uh, yellow uh, foot soles. They get also sometimes yellow palms. And even the face can be yellow in, in some uh, important cases. And there's then overweight. So all these uh, uh, physical findings, you find that in a lot of people. If you go on the beach, you have a sort of, uh, uh, I don't know if it's respectful, but I would say museum of people uh, showing hypothyroid, uh, untreated hypothyroid signs. So it's really very frequent. And then the, psychologically is that there's something very characteristic to low thyroid function that you don't find in other pathologies is that most of the complaints are more important in the morning when they get up than in the evening. Uh, so they suffer more from hypothyroidism in the morning than evening because in the, the, the mixed edema, which is a sort of swelling, it's an accumulation of waste products between cells. The mixed edema actually regresses, decreases during the day. And so they feel really bad, tired uh, when they wake up uh, with a lower mood, um, maybe even more anxiety. And then when they get into movement, their blood circulation accelerates because the blood circulation and the blood flow is slow in patients with hypothyroidism. And then by accelerating their blood flow, they feel better. So they tend to even to be hard workers who always are busy and cannot stop moving. Uh, otherwise, they feel very tired. If they sit, then the blood flow goes slower and they feel more tired. So, so this is what we, we see these in some kids when they t think they're hyperactive. The problem yeah. is, is that really they're low thyroid and they're trying to stay active to stay awake and stay alert. And that causes yeah. the hyperactivity. It's, it's, uh, it's paradoxical in your thinking, but that's the way it really is. The other thing... Yeah, it's the other it's thing it's a tragedy for children if i just can include strategy for children because their um their school results are not good uh, and and they get a lot of uh, reproaches that you you cannot sit still you're disturbing the class but if they don't do so they feel more tired and they have harder time to follow up so basically they need to move to feel better and to pay attention unfortunately what happens in these kids they get diagnosed with ADHD, and then they throw them on some kind of amphetamines, and that screws up their brains when all they need is a little bit of thyroid, even children a little bit of thyroid. We might also, might also mention they get not one, one key thing, as you've mentioned, is this sense of fatigue and tiredness. They get cold hands and cold feet and often feel very cold when other people don't seem to have that problem. They wear sweaters and even during the summer, you feel their hands and their feet and their ice cold. And I don't know if you've done this, uh, Dr. Hertog, but I have. When I first discovered about thyroid back in 1992, I read a book entitled Hypothyroidism, The Unsuspected Illness by Broda Barnes, a, a physician friend of mine by the name of Dr. Richard Maybury, who's an allergist and who's an OB-GYN allergist, told me at one of our allergy meetings, he said, uh, Steve, you know, you have a lot of women with low thyroid, hypothyroidism. And I said, I do. And he said, yes, you do. 
And he said, I want to recommend you read the book, Broda Barnes's book on, on the unsuspected illness. And when I read that book, it opened my eyes to the huge number of individuals that had low thyroid and, and we began treating, uh, treating them for thyroid and had tremendous success, but it was, it was reading the book on, on, uh, about low thyroid. So Let's talk about it's still our the best book, I think, on hypothyroidism for general public. It is a wonderful book, Doctor Broda Barnes. If, if you can get that, so when you evaluate, you know, here's the problem with uh, your great grandfather talked about. He says, "I don't know why these other doctors don't see it," uh, because I see it when he goes to church. He'd see the people at church and go. He'd tell them, "You got low thyroid? Come see me." Well, I can't tell you the number of people I've I've done that with over the years when I first found out about thyroid. Anytime I'd be at a party and shake somebody's hands, they're ice cold. I say, you got a little thyroid. You ought to come see me. And uh, I've even stopped. I've even stopped. I remember at an airport in Denver, there was some poor woman that had gross pedal edema. And she was classically hypothyroid. And she had uh, all kinds of lesions on her legs. It was just classic. Uh, uh, the fissures that she had. And I went up and told her, and I said, I'm going to give you a card and I want to recommend you go to my website and read about hypothyroidism. She said, Oh, I don't have it. I went to my doctor and he said, my blood tests were normal. So one thing I like about Dr. Hertog, which I do, we do not base our clinical diagnosis or our diagnosis strictly on blood tests as most doctors do. And that's why most doctors miss, uh, diagnose hypothyroidism because they rely strictly on blood levels. Talk about with, with this and why that is yeah. a wrong-headed Maybe approach. It's interesting to say a little word on that is that these blood tests are valuable. We use them. We also use 24-hour urine tests. They're right. valuable, but they have what is called normal ranges of reference ranges, which are not normal in the sense that the reference range are just statistical ranges. 95% of all patients, not of healthy people, are between the reference range and 2.5% below, 2.5% above. So if you're in the 2.5% lowest values, then you can be diagnosed hypothyroid by, let's say, uh, a general doctor. Um, but uh, there are much more people who are low thyroid with low normal levels within the reference range. And I have done a lot of extensive studies. And in the yellow book that is next to you, um, Steve, uh, you find a lot of references saying, showing that people who are in the lower half of the reference range of the thyroid hormones are the lower uh, quarter or lower third or lower fifth actually also have more risk of disease, meaning that they have hypothyroidism. So you, you do even have studies that prove that with lab tests, uh, low normal lab tests, you can diagnose hypothyroidism. Well, this is correct. And I know what you do and I do in the practice. First and foremost, we take a good clinical history and a physical diagnosis. So what we hear from our patients is they're fatigued. They have a difficulty with weight. They have cold sensitivity, they are, their hair is falling out, they have joint muscle aches and pains, they have sluggish bowels, they're constipated, women have irregular periods, they may have miscarriages, infertility, they have um, recurrent chronic infections, all this go, and, and then they have puffy face, puffy eyes, they got myxedema, loss of the lateral third of the eyebrows, and large tongue. You want to see if you have low thyroid, one of the classical features is... Uh, 
uh, is beveling of your tongue. You stick your tongue out, and you'll see it's beveled because it's grown against the uh, against the back of your teeth. That's a sign of an enlarged tongue, and that's a classical feature in hypothyroidism. So, and then uh, and it's not uncommon to find that the gland itself in the neck will be enlarged, and that's called a goiter, and we can see that. So, these are the classical features that we see in individuals that have low thyroid. Now, the regular doctor, as Dr. Hertog explained, will go and get a blood test. And as long as that blood falls, your, your hormone level falls within that range. And by the way, the range is determined where, uh, it's, where it's called, the, it's a bell-shaped curve. So you have the average score or the mean of, of all the patients that were in the day before. And they run these tests and they have, they have a range based upon the previous studies of the days before. And the range is as wide, it's a bell-shaped curve, so it's wide as the Grand Canyon, as tall as the Empire State Building. And when you were younger, you may have had loads of energy, you may have felt really great, and your thyroid level was up in the high range. And now as you get older, as uh, Dr. Uh, Hertog will explain, it, it declines and it's in the low range. And the doctor says, well, you're still within the range. You're in the low range. I've even had doctors say, you're in the low range, but not low enough to be treated. In my philosophy, uh, and I think Dr. Hertog would agree with this, my philosophy is if you have the clinical signs and symptoms of hypothyroidism, then you deserve a therapeutic trial of thyroid preparation. And we use natural thyroid, desiccated thyroid, and doctor will explain that in a minute. And you deserve a therapeutic trial. Doctors give therapeutic trials of all kinds of drugs all the time, which I never give. Antidepressants, antipsychotics, anti-anxiety medication, sleep medication, on anti-inflammatory, a host of medication without having any, not knowing, they're treating symptoms, clinically treating symptoms rather than treating the underlying cause of the problem, which in many of our guests, as we find at the Hotsey Health and Wellness Center, their problem is a low thyroid situation within their cells. Now, Dr. Hertog, uh, explain the difference in the two types of thyroid hormones. We have T4 and T3. Would you explain the difference and why, why it's important for us to have the proper level of the T3 thyroid hormone? Well, in fact, there are a lot of different forms. You have uh, the T4 alone, which is one of the thyroid hormones, the main one in the blood, but not the less, the most active one. The, the most active one is T3. So if you have also progression with T3, but there you need to repeat the dose six times a day, that's a little difficult. And then you have a synthetic T3 and T4, um, which is working too much in the morning, not enough in the evening. And then you have desiccated thyroid, which is the preparation that most of my patients get. And I suppose, Steve, also yours. And um, desiccated thyroid is actually... Uh, in most cases taken from pork thyroid because that pork thyroid is richer in tea tree, the most active hormone. And so those preparations work better than sheep or beef uh, thyroid in general. Uh, now, the, when you look at the composition of uh, real tissue from pork and with enough uh, thyroid hormones, you actually have T4, which is the big precursor, D3, the most active hormone, but you also have T2, T1, T0, etc. So each time there's an 
iodine atom less in the molecule. But uh, T2 has shown very good effects for cardiovascular health, for example. And um, so you have more hormones. It mimics more the natural um, uh, secretion of the thyroid gland. But there's something more. Is that when you have thyroid extract, most of the, those thyroid hormones are actually bound and bound on a bigger molecule called thyroglobulin. And the absorption of thyroglobulin is very slow. And once it's partly absorbed, it releases slowly its thyroid hormones. So what you have with desiccated thyroid is a sort of very good 24-hour on 24-hour effect. Uh, when you try to purify the hormones and to produce them, then you the T3 is too quickly absorbed, T4 too slow, and you have more irregular action and, and generally no action at night. So uh, people are much better with desiccated thyroid in most cases. There are some exceptions, but basically that's what we do. But then, you know, and we'll probably talk about that. There are several ways also that some people cannot tolerate a uh, preparation with T3 or desiccated thyroid. And then the physicians need to do some other things, but maybe you need to ask the question. Well, we're going to come, we're going to talk about that in our next segment on the program. So we have Dr. Terry Hertog, who is the president of the international hormone society and also president of the anti-aging medicine society here with us. We're discussing thyroid hormones and a condition called low thyroid, which a huge proportion of Americans have, and it goes, goes undiagnosed clinically by physicians because they rely solely on blood tests rather than on taking a good clinical history and a good physical exam of their patient and giving them a therapeutic trial. At Physicians Preference Pharmacy, we believe that prescription drugs are commonly overprescribed, treating symptoms only rather than addressing the underlying condition. These drugs offer a temporary fix, but they don't solve the root cause of the problem. Our approach is not about overloading people with medications that offer only a temporary fix. It is so important to recognize that you do not get sick because you have a low level of pharmaceutical drugs in your blood. You get sick because you are deficient in something or because your body is not in balance. As part of your healthcare team, we work with your doctor to restore that healthy balance. Sometimes this means replacing hormones, vitamins, nutrients, or even antioxidants. So how is this different than traditional treatment? Rather than covering up the symptoms with yet another medication, we work to replenish the body, restoring your health and restoring your wellness. Hello, I'm Dr. Steve Hotze, and welcome back to Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution. In our first half of the program, we discussed hypothyroidism, and we're going to go into some more details with our guest, Dr. Terry Hertog, who is from Belgium and who is a legend in his own time, hormone expert that doctors around the world look to. He's the president of the World Society of Anti-Aging Medicine and the World Society of Hormone Specialists. And his family, he's carrying on a family four-generation tradition of hormone therapy in uh, individuals, which hormone therapy really didn't come about until the late part of the 1800s, which would have been in the 19th century. That's when thyroid hormones were discovered and the disease called myxedema, which is hypothyroidism, was diagnosed, and the treatment using thyroid uh, gland, ground thyroid gland, injected into people. That's how they first treated for hypothyroidism. 
his great-great-grandfather was one of the first uh, physicians in the entire world to treat for thyroid. And this tradition is carried on in Dr. Hertog's family. In the first half of our program, we talked about hypothyroidism. And, of course, hypothyroidism is a low level of thyroid, not just in the blood. You can have a within a, a lab range of normal in your blood and still not have enough thyroid hormone in your cells to effectively, effectively produce energy. The thyroid gland produces thyroid hormones, T4 and T3. The thyroid hormone has attached to it in the T4 four iodine atoms. 94% of all the thyroid produced in the blood is T4. 6% is T3. That's the active thyroid hormone. What happens is the thyroid hormones bind to thyroid, thyroglobulin, and then they enter into the cells. In the cells, there's an enzyme called deiodinase, and that means it cleaves, it deiodinases. It removes one of the iodine atoms off T4, so you get the active thyroid hormone T3. That then enters your cells into your power plants called the mitochondria, and I like to describe it, it's the spark plug that enables your cells to produce and use energy. So that's what determines your body's metabolic rate, your ability to produce and use energy. Every cell in your body requires thyroid hormone from the tip of your head to the bottom of your toe, and every organ and everything in between requires thyroid to produce energy. If you don't produce enough energy, then you're a low-voltage individual. You're not producing enough electrical energy in your power plant, your mitochondria, and your body runs sluggish. You think sluggish. All the organs work poorly. You get cardiovascular disease, hardening of the arteries. You don't think clearly. Uh, you gain weight. You get diabetes. It, it leads to a host of health problems. You get high blood. Your blood pressure can uh, be adversely affected, and you in. And you're a sick individual. I like to. I have people that come in and tell me, uh, "Doctor, I'm just sick and tired of being sick and tired." And I know that is a classical statement when they don't know what to tell you. What they're really saying is, "I have low thyroid. Would you please supplement me and help me?" So what happens? Let's talk about uh, Doctor Hertog, the adverse effect of hormones on thyroid uh, metabolism. Let me mention one other thing right here, folks. In America, 70% of the people are overweight. 35% of the people are obese. That means half of you that are overweight are obese. That's 35% of the population. In Europe, in Europe, 16% of the people are overweight. 8% of the people are obese. Why such a difference? Back in the 1960s, in the United States, there was only 16% of the population overweight and 8% were obese. In the 1960s, in the United States, they started to put fluoride, which is a halogen. They began to put that into the water supply. Seventy percent of the people in America have fluoride in the water. It's in the toothpaste. You go to the dentist's office, they slather it on your teeth. Fluoride is a halogen. It competes with iodine in the, in the thyroid gland itself, but it adversely affects the enzyme that converts, the deiodinase enzyme that converts T4 to T3. So it blocks that. So in America, we've got a problem with fluoride poisoning the, the body's ability to properly convert T4, the active thyroid hormone, to T3, leading to a host of people with hypothyroid problems. 
I've been to Europe. I've been to France. I've been to Italy. You go to you go to you go to France to have dinner, and you ask for bread. They don't bring you a little box of bread. They bring you a tray of bread. They eat bread. They drink wine. And in in uh, in Italy, they're eating pasta. And yet, Janie and I, when we were there, commented how thin everybody was compared to the way they were in America. And it's not just because Americans eat fast food, which is a problem. It's because they have a problem with. Their their th- their ability to utilize thyroid hormones has been poisoned by fluoride. So my recommendation to you is get reverse osmosis on your sinks at home where you drink water. Uh, if you can filter the water out of the whole system, is good. By the way, chlorine adversely is a halogen, just like iodine is. That's if you remember your uh, chemical uh, periodic table from high school. You had certain groups. One was the halogen group, and that has chlorine, bromide. Uh, fluoride, iodine, several others, and all those are in the halogen group, and they will compete with one another. So they can adversely affect your body's ability to use thyroid because thyroid hormone needs iodine, a halogen, to be properly functioning. So that's a problem that we have with the fluoride, and that's one of the problems we see so much hypothyroidism. So so we want you to take your water and you get it uh, get it properly uh Distilled, use just some form of distilled water, or you can get a um, uh, you can get you can, you can do reverse osmosis at your sink. You can buy some uh, some uh, filters that you can buy online inexpensively and pour your water. And you don't want you don't want fluoride in your water. You want to get rid of your toothpaste. If you look on the side of your toothpaste when you go home, read on the side of the toothpaste, and it says danger. If you swallow more of this that's on your toothbrush, if you swallow it, contact poison control or your physician immediately. Now, why would you put anything on toothpaste that would cause you to have to call poison control? Well, it's the fluoride. Fluoride, according to the material safety data sheet, fluoride is is, is highly toxic, and it's a carcinogen. It adversely uh, affects your body's ability to utilize thyroid hormones. You don't want it. So you can get some toothpaste, like Sprite toothpaste, get toothpaste without fluoride, and don't let anybody paint any fluoride on your teeth. I don't know why these uh, the dentists do this. It's a terrible habit. But that's one of the reasons that we see so much hypothyroidism in America as opposed to what you may see over in Europe. We see it here all the time, and I have literally built our practice on the treating of thyroid. But what other conditions, what other uh, so that's my short soliloquy and soapbox on the fluoride problem. And in my book uh, that I've written, Hypothyroidism, Health, and Happiness, I have a section on there about the fluoride and the dangers of fluoride. So I'd encourage you to read that and uh, take heart to that and get fluoride out of your, out of your uh, system, please. So tell us about the uh, hormones, particularly women. As they mature, they get a a situation called estrogen dominance. How does estrogen hormones adversely affect the thyroid? Well, there are two forms. You you can have your own female hormones. So women have high levels of estrogens. They will have um, an overstimulation of the liver, and the liver will make binding proteins like thyroid thyroxine binding, uh, globulin, globulin, TBG and then uh, pre-albumin uh, uh, thyroid binding globulin, which actually 
um, capture thyroid hormones and keep them in the blood so there's less going into the cells. So too much estrogens give a sort of sequestration, a capture of the thyroid hormones in the blood and they don't go into target cells. So that's one of the ways. The other way isn't is that, that part isn't that partly due to the change in the female hormones of the decline of progesterone as they women age that they fall into that estrogen dominance? Yes, because there's a very potent estrogen called estradiol. And that, uh, when you have enough progesterone, that's a sort of antagonistic hormone, that hormone uh, uh, stimulates the conversion of estradiol to uh, estrone, which is much less potent as an estrogen, so has much less effects on the thyroid function as estradiol. So too much estradiol is not good. You need enough progesterone to calm that down. And with age, it's true that progesterone declines quicker than estradiol. So it's very important to have enough um, progesterone all the time. That's one of the ways a physician can improve the thyroid function of a patient by uh, balancing the female hormones well. Yeah, that's now, a good. I want you now, to. I want you to. Uh, I want to hammer on this point because this is a really good point you made. Doctor Hertog yeah. said that the use of progesterone can help promote thyroid function in women ladies as you walk through your menstrual life when you hit midlife but in your 30s or after you have children oftentimes and invariably your progesterone levels are going to decline and like dr hertog mentioned then you have what we call estrogen dominance it's progesterone yes. deficiency estrogen dominance and even though your estrogen is declining it doesn't decline like the progesterone does and it produces thyroid binding globulins from the liver that bind onto the thyroid hormone. So it's very common to see women coming in after they've had childbirth, several children are in their mid thirties or early forties. They begin to have all these symptoms of hypothyroid. Don't you find that Dr. Hertog? Yes. And then they, if they are becoming estrogen deficient, like in the menopause or just before, because we treat that at age 30 already and not, we don't wait age 50. We, if you, uh, a physician provides oral estrogens, that means taken by mouth and not transdermal, then these uh, hormones will pile up these estrogens in the liver. And so they will slow down what uh, the very important step that happens in the liver that's predominantly in the liver, that is the activation of thyroid function. The T4, which is a precursor, becomes T3 in the liver. And that step is very strongly decreased by oral estrogen, including the birth control pill. So the birth control pill has an adverse impact on uh, most birth control pills. There's some exception, but most do really decrease this uh, conversion of T4, T3 a lot. So uh, that's one of the reasons. We'll pick up on this now. I want to drive this point home. Dr. Hurtok has said it's the oral estrogens when they're given, and they're often given usually by physicians in menopause without balancing them with any progesterone, so they get estrogen dominance. Or if women take birth control pills, these adversely affect your body's ability to utilize thyroid hormone, the active thyroid hormone, you don't make the conversion. You make, you also build up thyroid binding globulins. So women on birth controls commonly will come in. I don't care what age they are. They'll come in and they have all the signs and symptoms of low thyroid. They are basically poisoning their thyroid hormones by taking the birth control pills. That's why we don't recommend them. And I'll give you a quick story. I remember back years back, I had a, I had a young lady who had come in with a whole series of complaints uh, 
that we described, which would have been low thyroid. And uh, I said, well, you're going to need to get off your birth control pill. She said, okay. She came back in a month and she said, if I'd have known, she said, I feel like a million dollars getting off the birth control pills. And I put her on a little thyroid, but it hadn't really gotten to a level she needed yet. But she said, I can't believe how good I feel getting off. I don't have headaches anymore. I don't, I'm not moody. You know, I've got energy. I feel great. If I'd have known this, I'd have got off it 10 years ago. So it's, I'm, I'm just telling you ladies out there, or if you're on birth control pills and you have all these signs and symptoms of low thyroid, simply giving you thyroid is not going to correct the problem. You're going to have to get off your birth control pills. There are other ways, if you don't want to conceive, there are other ways that can be, other methods that can be used uh, without poisoning your body with birth control pills every day. Yes, well... And there's a little exception with the birth control pills is that a very low dose estrogen pill with a sort of androgenic progesterone, which also may have side effects, uh, may have much less adverse effects on the diet function. But that's, let's say, uh, it's uh, an exceptional pill. Um, most pills now are made uh, with uh, a lot of female hormones in the sense that they have a blocker of male hormones as a progesterone. And so women get an cellulite and, and lose a lot of muscles with this. And so and that has even a more adverse effect on the thyroid function, like these anti-androgenic pills. So uh, you, you really need to, if ever a pill is necessary, you need to search the good one and find the physician who is able to find the one that can suit you. But there's, there's, there's um, most of the pills are, I, I agree with you, Stephen, are not good. And, and in certain sense, none of them is identical, so there's always some side effects. That's key. So now, if, t- talk to us about that, about natural progesterone as opposed to methyl, uh, as opposed to yes. uh, uh, progestins, progesterone. Yeah. Ex- explain to them the, the estrogen and progesterone and the cycle and how that works. Well, I'll talk also what is available in the United States because I I don't think you have next to bidentical progesterone any other progesterone that is 100% safe. Uh, Most of them are uh, synthetic derivatives that are what the molecule is too much changed from the original one and that side effects. So, for example, with a synthetic progesterone, like uh, Provera, have water retention will gain on weight well with the natural progesterone they will rather decrease their overweight they will it's it's um diuretic it makes them lose fluid and and there's no water retention as in synthetic pill uh synthetic pills especially medroxy progesterone acetate i think that's the provera yes um, that one um stimulates the proliferation of breast cells even in the right. presence of in Vestigen. So when you have, for example, uh, in lab cultures, they will stimulate uh, breast cells by female hormone, estrogens. Uh, even the bidentical does that. The non-bidentical one uh, does it more. And when you add a synthetic progesterone, then it increases the proliferation of breast cells so it can become breast cancer. Well, if you get the natural progesterone, there's a collapse of the um proliferation of the cells of, uh, and, a decrease, cells. and a decrease and a decrease in breast cancer and a decrease yeah, in breast really cancer. decrease yes and there's a decrease about between 25 and 50 percent uh, of breast cancer by using 
um, natural or bi-identical, it's better, it's the same molecule as in the body, bi-identical uh, progesterone. So, so that's really very important that there's a big difference. Now, that's not the only difference. Uh, with the natural progesterone, you get also all the good psychological effects with progesterone. For example, um, it calms you down. It decreases anxiety. It decreases the premenstrual or even solves the premenstrual syndrome where women get irritable anxiety. It also can de decrease acne, for example. While with the synthetic progesterone, it's all the other way. You get usually headaches, you get depression. And uh, so, so it's, it's, it's much better to use um, the bidental progesterone in most of the cases. It's always an exception, but most of the cases, this works out well. And uh, you have a, you can take it orally. It works well. It even works better vaginally or transdermal. Transdermal is an option that not always works because it's progesterone um, in contrast with estradiol, for example, estrogens is not so well absorbed through the skin. And so the key is to use natural progesterone when you begin to have the symptoms uh, premenstrual symptoms, which can happen even in, in, in young girls yeah. in, in their teenage years. Uh, you, it, depending upon a woman's age, her size, and her symptoms, you can give a little natural progesterone day 15 through 28 of the cycle. Day one is, is uh, after your period stops, the first day is day one. I'm sorry, day one's the first day of your period. And then the cycle would normally la last approximately you have a 28 day cycle mid cycle you're going to um you're going to ovulate you're going to give off an egg and in that location on your ovary that's where your body makes progesterone day 14 through 28 and women start having premenstrual symptoms you know two or three days before the period a week before sometimes two weeks before as, as they get older they make less progesterone or they or they don't ovulate then you have the estrogen dominance and you have these symptoms of of, of weight gain, breast tenderness, mood swings, fluid retention, headaches. These can be easily treated with natural progesterone day 14 through 28. And the dose depends upon the woman's size, her age, and her symptoms. So young girls in teenage years, instead of putting them on a bunch of antidepressants like some of these doctors do, give them a touch of progesterone day 14 through 28 and balance them out. You do the same thing all the way through the entire menstrual life. And we even use, once a woman goes through the change of life, we always balance the natural estrogen hormones that we give to compensate for menopause. We always balance that out with progesterone to make sure that they don't fall into estrogen dominance. And that makes Even it, a woman who has a hysterectomy, a hysterectomy right. is a removal of uterus. Uh, there's the habit in the United States. Oh, don't give them any progesterone. European country just to give estrogen. Right, that's but, so bad. Uh, uh, progesterone is also necessary not only for the uterus to um, prevent having heavy menstruations, but also to protect the breast from breast cancer and to calm down the brain from the overexcitement, the fire that estrogens give. That's, that's so key. So after all, I love a woman that's had a hysterectomy when they come in and they've just been put on estrogen. I know they're going to do extremely well when we put them on progesterone. We've got just about a minute left. Say something very briefly. Men need testosterone because testosterone also, uh, the decline in testosterone as men have, that adversely affects the body's ability to convert T4 to T3. Uh, don't you find the, that 
testosterone supplementation helps with thyroid function? Yes, uh, I am so enthusiastic about testosterone. I wrote a big book on it with all the references and the information for a physician. And um, so testosterone is one of the hormones that stimulates the most the conversion of T4, T3, so activates the thyroid function. And so you may need as a physician to decrease the dose of a person who's well on thyroid when testosterone is added to a man. But wait, women need also testosterone. So next to female hormones, there's always a smaller dose than in men of testosterone to give, and they makes them really good. Helps tell also the thyroid function to be very active. Well, so the, as we close, I want to thank you for joining us and thank each one of you for joining us today on Dr. Hotsey's report. Thank you, Dr. Hertog. Information provided on this program is neither intended nor implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice and is not intended to replace the services of a physician, nor does it constitute a doctor-patient relationship. You should not use information from this radio program to diagnose or treat a health problem or disease without consulting with a qualified health care provider. If you have or suspect you have an urgent medical problem, promptly contact a professional health care provider or call 911. Dr. Hotze's Wellness Revolution advises you to always seek the advice of a physician or other qualified health provider prior to starting any new treatment or with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Any application of the recommendations from this program is at the listener's discretion.